0: Welcome to the Black and White Podcast, where we seek to filter the gray world around us through God's Word, with radical grace, raw truth, and real hope. I'm Denise Pass, and this month we have been discussing reaching and connecting with the disconnected world around us. And today I have a special guest with us, Brock Scheinen, who will be sharing on how to keep your core values in your core message as a Christian entrepreneur seeking to reach the world. Brock Shinen is a lawyer, a speaker, an author of the book, The Christian Entrepreneur, and the founder of the law office of Brock Shinen Incorporated, which represents some of the largest churches in America. Brock is a highly sought after business advisor and personal business strategist to globally recognized organizations and ministries. He has spoken at conferences and business gatherings, including the National Religious Broadcasters National Convention, the Southern Baptist National Convention, and the Vineyard USA National Conference, and his writing has been featured in publications such as the Huffington Post. Brock lives with his wife and two children in Orange County, California. Learn more at www.brockshinon.com. Well, welcome to the show, Brock.
1: Thanks so much, Denise. I'm so happy to be with you.
0: Well, we are super blessed to have you, and I just can't wait to dive in and hear more about this book. The scripture for this episode is taken from Luke 16, verses eight and nine, English standard version. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Hmm. Wow. You know, I hear that scripture and it is so hard sometimes to maintain an authentic faith in a very inauthentic, Salesy world, and right. this scripture is so true this month we've been talking about the disconnect in this world that is more connected than ever by social media, yet so disconnected and and when I read this scripture, I feel the disconnect as a Christian trying to reach a lost world, and I think this is so difficult in the Christian business sector as well. so Rob, how do you maintain a biblical worldview? and successfully run a business without bowing our knee to a worldly way of doing business as in the scripture.
1: Yeah, it's it's a great question and I don't know that it's an easy question either. I think it's kind of tough, but here's here's what goes through my mind as I think about that and you know, really each day I wake up and kind of hit the ground running and try to try to balance what you've said and how how to navigate that. And really what's going through my mind is this is that I think as Christians, so many times we get in the habit of isolating our Christian life from our Mm. rest of life. You know, we're a Christian, like we we go to church and we know how to behave. We know what the standards are in church, but we get in our workplaces or our schools or, you know, basically outside of the four walls of the church building. And we suddenly kind of have these different set of rules. And, And not to say that we're acting inauthentically, but more of like we isolate our Christianity. We say, our Christianity is over here. And then our, our business engagement is over here. How we relate to people is over here. And, and we see them as Christian versus non-Christian um, sort of values and actions. And I think part of what works for me and many of the people that I talk to, um, what, I've, what I've found kind of illuminate is that, first of all, when you sort of merge yourself, you know, your Christianity is, your whole life is immersed in that walk with God. And so when you walk into the business environment, or any other environment outside of church, you you realize I'm not walking as a Christian and non-Christian. I'm not acting as a Christian here, but, you know, a quote business person over here. I'm acting as a Christian period. I'm, I'm immersed in my savior. I'm immersed in Christianity. So wherever you're walking, whatever you're doing, whatever you have your hands on um, in the business place or otherwise, you start to see that there's actually not this isolation from Christian values and non-Christian values or this isolation of, of how I behave in this circumstance versus this circumstance. But you realize it's, it's just walking in a singular uh, personality really of I'm filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm filled with Jesus and I'm going to go mm-hmm. into church the same as I'll go into my workplace and know that when I talk, when I speak, when I act, when I work, all of that's going to look like Jesus the same extent in the church building as outside the church building. So I think that's really sort of the starting point is to see ourselves as um, we're an integrated whole. We're integrated with Jesus. He's a, he's a part of everything that we do regardless of where we go. Does
0: that make sense? Oh, that's beautiful. But I think sometimes we don't even realize we can come across as inauthentic to somebody else. I mean, people yeah. are constantly judging. An example for me is, you know, leading worship or speaking, and maybe I'm leading worship and I come down to sing a song or to share a testimony. I had in this past week one person tell me, wow, that just made it come alive for me. You know, and I just went deeper in my time with God. And another person said it felt inauthentic to them, Hmm. you know, almost like it was a performance. And I said, I'm more comfortable behind the keyboard, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm challenging myself to try to reach the people more. And so it's interesting how you can try to do everything to make sure that you are living out what you're saying you believe, but it still can come across a certain way, even though you don't intend it that way. So what are, when we think about key values uh, in this competitive world we live in, we've got to be able to keep up, you know, and it's, we've got to be savvy. But as a Christian, we also need to have our core values front and center. Right. What do you recommend as the core values for a Christian entrepreneur and how do you maintain those in a secular world?
1: That's uh, just another great question. So I think I think what we look at is there are sort of a set, you know, and, and maybe this this sounds like a bit of hypocrisy given what I said in the first question, which was really about integrating ourselves. But what I want to say here is that I think we have to isolate and look at what are our Christian values. So let's say integrity, honesty, generosity. Um, graciousness, you know, things like that. Things that we can probably all agree, hey, these are really um, indicative of Christian values, regardless of whether we're in the workplace or not. But then we we look over to the other side and we see, what are these excellent business values that aren't necessarily defined as, quote, Christian values, but they're just excellent business values? And one of those might be doing a great job at whatever you do. Um, Endurance, discipline, you know, self-discipline, I think that many Christians, you know, might stumble onto that one. If I said, you know, we, we pull a thousand Christians and say, Hey, give me a list of your top 10 Christian values. I don't know that everybody's going to say self-discipline or endurance, you know, maybe we'll pull from the scriptures and land on, on one or two of those. But in business, you think about the ability to endure failure the ability to endure difficulties, the self-discipline that's required to keep pushing when we don't want to push anymore. We don't always equate those business values or excellence, for example. We don't always equate that to Christian values. And so in in responding to that, really what I think, Denise, is that we have to see this set of values that's sort of a mixture of Christian and non-Christian. And again, going back to the integration uh, perspective, which is We don't want to have isolated Christian values and business values. We want to say we want to have excellent values. And Mm. excellent values permeate Christianity. They permeate business. They permeate really every environment of our lives. And those would be honesty and integrity and generosity and service, but also excellence and discipline, you know, self-discipline and endurance. And so I think a lot of that is really looking at how do we carry – those values and be authentic into the marketplace and in our our workplaces and our businesses is to say, I'm done with thinking about it only through the lens of what does it mean to be a Christian? Mm. I want to integrate who I am with God in me walking into that business place. And that means I need to be excellent, better informed than my competitors. That means that I need to be generous, but at the same time, also smart and aggressive, yet effective, yet gentle in the way that the Bible tells us to be. So it's kind of lining up all those different principles. And I actually talked about this in the book. If you were to create a list of you know what you might call Christian values and you might call business values, I think what you'll start to realize is most of them are the same. Mm. Um, there may be a few that kind of feel like outliers that don't necessarily translate into both, But but when you read this book, walk through... The list and the, the list I want you to create is kind of comparing those and contrasting those. And I think what you'll quickly realize is the best business practices in the world are actually not, they're not counterintuitive to our Christianity. They actually make complete sense in our Christianity. So that I think is my my best response in carrying those values in is to first identify them and and the second to realize that being a smart, effective, successful business person is completely consistent with being a good Christian with good values.
0: Oh, that is so good. You know, when I think about excellence and our values, a lot of times Christians can segregate themselves like a, mm. a holy huddle. You know, this yeah. is what we believe. And that can come across a bit like, you know, we're better than you. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, we need to seek to speak the world's language and not... Um, you know, at all compromise, I think. So I really right. like that focus on excellence. So um, being a like-minded team is so important though, too, because, you know, if you have values, but your team around you doesn't share those values, right? there's going to be problems. So I think who we surround ourselves with is so key. And yeah. building a team around our idea is also, I think one of the more challenging parts of running a business or a ministry. Do you have any recommendations for that?
1: There's probably a couple there. Um, One really big one is that when you think about developing a team, a lot of times we're looking out instead of first looking in. And what I mean by that is to develop a really strong team, you have to first develop a really strong you. What you want to see in your team, you have to first be. I really mm. believe that, and I don't necessarily mean stepping out of your um, expertise zone. And you know, if you're if you're an engineer becoming a marketer, I don't mean that. What I mean is in terms of your values and um, you know, sort of the expectations you have in your team. I think you have to first define and then refine those within yourself, because part of how you build a strong team is by modeling the behavior that you want to see in your team. And so if we don't do a great job of having it, you know, possessing it and then modeling it within ourselves, I think we do a horrible job of getting our teams to do it because then it really is about, you know, the whip and hey, we need to whip you into shape. You need to do better at this, but we're not modeling it for them. So I do think that's definitely number one. I think another part of that answer is that But many times in business, we jump too quick to build teams and build infrastructure that's not necessary yet. It's not to say it Mm -hmm. won't be, but I think as just human beings, we like to know that we're surrounded by support, that we have uh, sort of a backstop around us, and we have a team around us. And so I've seen many, many entrepreneurs that will start building a team from day one you know, five people, 10 people, when really that was just imprudent financial uh, decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, that was just bad business advice or bad, you know, business planning. So some of uh, building that team means building the team at the right time, at the right pace, you know, adding the people that complement instead of, you know, I don't want to hire another me. And when I say that, I don't mean values. Obviously, we want to build teams that have the similar or same values but I want to build strength sets where if I have a deficiency or weakness, I want to build a team where that deficiency or weakness may be met by someone on the team where we're not an exact duplicate. If you took those two things, you know, first working on me so I can model it well, and secondly, pacing and building the team as as it makes prudent sense for the business, I think teams would completely transform overnight. I really do. And I think the final piece... To some extent, I do think this is sort of a Christian problem, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's truly a human problem, but I think as Christians in business, a lot of times we want to feel like, hey, we're with our, you know, this is my best friend, or I want to be in business with my spouse, or, you know, hey, we've been in church together for 20 years. It only makes sense for us to go into business, and sometimes when we build teams, not out of discerning what's the right business move and the business motive, but because of relationship, we think, well... You know, this person's been a part of my journey for 20 years. It only makes sense that we would build this business together. That may be the worst piece of advice that you could get <laughs> is to, to build a team with people like that. But contrasting that, you might get advice like, hey, never work with people that you are close friends with or never, you know, partner up or build teams with your family or are good friends because then it's a recipe for disaster. And I think that's just uh, that's false as well. I think mm-hmm. you, you always need to look for the best people for the team, and if they're your family, if they're your friends, there are certain dynamics that may be different when you contrast that to people you don't know as well. But sometimes the best partners you can have and the best team members you can have are family members and friends who really know you and really understand you, and you also know them and understand them.
0: Yes, you know, I've definitely had experience with, you know, picking someone who maybe you've known for a long, long time and and you realize this actually doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Uh, And then other times where you're surprised, you know, Um, and I have a ministry internship that I kind of let lie low for a while Mm. just because I just, we don't have the pieces in place yet. And sometimes people push you to, oh, you need to be moving forward and doing this. And it's, no, let me just wait. Wait on God and see if he provides. Uh, We can move ahead of ourselves. So that's sound counsel there. Hmm. I think, you know, um, who we surround ourselves with, like we were just talking about, it's a big determinant in the success or failure of our venture. But I want to go a little bit more practical now. Let's say someone has a team in place, has their branding, and they now have come to customer engagement. Marketing can be an overwhelming part of getting the message out there and really connecting with the world. Sometimes the packaging of products can lack the values expressed by a business. What do you recommend for brand to human engagement?
1: It's another man. You have a lot of great questions, <laughs> and these I, I do think really hit at sort of the heart of where so what I would call friction points in running a business and starting a business. These are kind of friction points where a lot of the breakdown happens. So, uh, in in response to it, I think some of it you have to realize there's certainly different facets to answer the question. You know, it's a multifaceted question. Um, on the brand to human side. Really what I look at in, when I talk about brand human engagement is how we as a brand relate to people, not like product to website, but really like if somebody logs onto our website, for example, like how do we relate to them? And so I think backing up from that and sort of reverse engineering that, what, what I always want to see, uh, first and foremost, the, the entrepreneurs are putting themselves in the shoes and in the seats of the customer. Of the mm-hmm. client, or however you designate them, that you're really trying to take the perspective of the person that's engaging with your brand, uh, the person that's buying your products, paying for your services, or, or, you know, however they're engaging with you, that you first sit down in their seat and in their shoes, and you say, what do I look like to this person? You know, how does my brand appear to them? And I think one of the things we quickly see is that, you know, we talk a lot about authenticity, where, where do we see, um, you know, being authentic versus being inauthentic, right? Where do we see that? Some of it's just in the inconsistencies in our messaging. Sometimes it's like, why is everything, you know, greens and blues on Facebook, you know, on our branding and our page, but it's all yellows and, um, you know, reds on Instagram or elsewhere. And so sometimes we don't realize this, that our inconsistencies in even packaging present this psychological inconsistency that makes people think there's something wrong here. Like Mm. who you are on this platform is different than who you are on that platform. And you think about it when you talked about leading worship, you know, if you said, well, Hey, I was up on stage leading worship. And then I went out in the parking lot and, you know, grabbed the beer out of the trunk and, you know, start, (laughs) it's like, People would look at you and say, what in the world is happening, Denise? Like, who are you, right? Mm. And that's easy for us to see. But when it comes to our brand, we kind of look for the big pieces. Like, well, yeah, if we're, if we're saying on, out of one side of our mouth that this is who our brand is, we care about social good, for example. But here we are dumping plastics into the ocean. Like, we're, we're speaking mm. out of two sides of our mouth. But if we think about it in terms of consistency, Really, what that means is who you are as a Christian translates into what you do and how you do it. You don't have to define, well, this is Brock being a Christian or this is Denise being a Christian in business by I'm going to you know, give a bigger tip or I'm going to you know, give away some free stuff. That's, that's just smart business many times. But mm-hmm. what you see happen is that sort of trickles down to our brand human engagement Where we say, how does our customer perceive us? Are we consistent? Are we saying this is the kind of company we are? Is this what we value as a company? But then in our messaging or even our products, if we say we care about the highest quality of, you know, whatever that product is, and then we turn out this product and we realize that there's a, a, you know, a thousand complaints over the quality. That sends an inconsistent message. So, I do think that mm. as we start to engage with our customers, especially through marketing and messaging, we, we get so focused, especially today, on social media and how we're going to say it and what we're going to say and trying to get likes and followers. We don't step back and say, regardless of the platform, are we being consistent? Are we mm-hmm. being honest? Is what we say about who we are true in actually our execution of who we are? If we say our products are top-notch, are they? If we say our services are top-notch, you know, if we say things like, we go the extra mile, do we go the extra mile? And I think what happens is we realize our marketing and our, our language, our messaging actually just starts to coalesce with us actually walking that out as a business person and as a business. We don't actually have to sort of you know, craft copy that sells because what happens is the authenticity of our copy flows naturally from how we operate in business, which once you bring in that authenticity, you bring in that consistency, it flows very, very nicely into our messaging and our marketing. And now all of a sudden, our brand to human engagement looks completely like Hey, this is the brock or the Denise that you saw on Sunday. They're the same person and they have the same business you run into on Tuesday or, you know, on Thursday, you know, or at the end of the day on Friday when they're exhausted and they want to go home. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, yes. And you know, consistency I think is probably one of the most important things that we need to have. And it, it really is tied to self-discipline that you mentioned earlier. I have a um, broadcast I do every day for a Bible reading plan I developed this year, and consistency hits me right in the eyes every day
1: because
0: <laughs> I made this you know bodacious goal here uh, to do this because I keep hearing about this biblical illiteracy. I thought, yeah. well, I'm going to do something about it. You know, I'm going to just have a quick, let's get on. Did we read? And here's what God showed me. What he you show you? But it's hard. It is right. hard work to be consistent, but it is so, so important. Thank you for sharing that. You know, uh, it's almost a bad word to say, but there are sales skills needed. You know, you hate to yes. say sales, you know, it's a Christian business. That. <laughs> yes, But negotiating to be able to pitch your product or your message. You mentioned this in your book. Can you elaborate on the negotiation skills you recommend for a Christian business? Does it look different? We don't want to be like the dishonest, shrewd manager from the scripture read earlier, but obviously we need to be able to present on our product without feeling like we are selling ourselves in a bad way or selling somebody.
1: Right. Yeah, it's a great question. And I do think this is one, I mean, there's so many just very practical issues that we run into as entrepreneurs that are Christian. So let me give you an example that'll kind of kick off the answer. And I actually talk about this one in the book as well, but how many of us have looked at buying or leasing a car and, you know, we kind of got an idea, well, we like this car, we like this maker model, and we, we figure out which dealership we're going to go to and we run on down to the dealership and, you know, out comes the salesman and that salesman just telling us, that it's like they're, they're reading our mind in a sense and any argument that, that we have, they already have an answer for it and they're basically primed for us to walk up because their goal is for us to leave with a car we bought it or leased it right but we never stopped to think what did we do to prepare for that negotiation what did we do to prepare mm. ourselves to be better positioned and so i talk about you know what if you researched everything about your car the car that you wanted what uh, colors it's available, what options are available, what's the list price versus the, you know, the wholesale price versus the invoice price versus the price to dealer versus you know, all these other metrics that you could research that 99% of us do not research, right? Wow. We go in with a, with a basic idea of what we want, and why does the salesperson, and, and I think it's funny because we always think of, you know, and I know a lot of really good human beings that are car salesmen. So I don't, I, I know this is <laughs> more of a, a generalized feeling yes. about them, but we walk into that dealership and instantly, I think everybody has this visceral reaction. Oh, here comes the sleazy sales guy, you know? <laughs> and it's so disheartening because part of what we perceive as them being sleazy There certainly is a a sleazy part. They're manipulative many times and all that. But there's this whole other element that they're just better prepared than us. So I want to transition that piece and that story into, you know, a a very pragmatic response to this, which is how do we be better negotiators and still kind of maintain our Christian values? Well, again, you know, I always want to reiterate, we need to integrate our Christianity and our non-Christianity or like our Christianity and our humanness, like we're one person. We're not walking around with two silos every, you know, every moment of every day. Um, I'm walking around as a human being filled with Jesus, right? And Mm -hmm. so it's not like Jesus is in my backpack and like, oh, I got to put on Jesus (laughs) in this conversation. Um, Jesus is is inside of us. So when when I go to negotiation and what I would encourage entrepreneurs to do when they go into negotiation, number one, always be honest. Now, here's the interesting twist to that. What does honesty mean? Well, if I tell you um, this thing is worth X dollars or if I tell you I can deliver a certain type of thing and I can't and I know that's a lie, that's fraud. That's not good negotiation. That's lying and fraud, right? But here's the, here's the contrast to that. Do I have to tell you everything I'm thinking? If, if we're negotiating over a product, uh, a service, let's say, you want to hire me and we're negotiating over the price for that service... If I know I would take 10% lower than your lowest offer, should I say, if I'm a Christian, should I say, well, hey, you know what, really, in all honesty, full transparency, I'd take less. Like, that's not smart negotiating, Mm -hmm. right? That's not. And the thing is, is in negotiations, there are rules of the game that everybody expects are okay. Lying is not one of them. But not showing all of your cards is also one of them. So I think when we think about becoming better negotiators, one is to realize that being honest and transparent doesn't mean showing all your cards every time. It certainly means don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. But those are the obvious ones. The less obvious ones are, you know, sometimes it's okay not to tell them your bottom line. um, You know, ideas like that. The other thing is to be better prepared. You know, when a salesman, a car salesman walks out, they know infinitely more than you do about what they're selling, but it doesn't have to be that way. And so we as brand owners, us as entrepreneurs, many times we come into these conversations with customers where they're primed with all of these uh, reasons to reject us, all of these reasons to reject our products and our services. And we don't come with responses prepared to answer each, each of those. We don't come better prepared than the customer. The customer comes in it ready to say, well, I can't afford it. Or, hey, I can afford one piece, but not the other piece. Or, hey, what, I, I want more than, you know, than what you're offering on the table. And our answer often is, well, I can't do that. Or the answer is no. You know, a car salesman will have 20 answers for every question. They'll have multiple pathways to get you that car. Um, why don't we do that as entrepreneurs? That's the big question. So being better prepared understanding our products and services in a way where we can answer honestly about each question that's asked, where we can eliminate friction and concern and rejection of our offers um, because we're not trying to uh, be sleazy and manipulate people, but instead we're offering them an informed alternative. You know, a lot of people, they purchase based on fear and they don't purchase based on fear. What if we helped alleviate that fear, not by lying to them, (laughs) but instead offering the truth of the security and what we have to offer? And that means that our product has to be better. Our services have to be better. So I do think we can become better prepared um, as negotiators and become better negotiators in general. We start to see that preparation is probably more so than any other attribute being better prepared and having the endurance to work through negotiations will make you a better negotiator starting today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and I think just kind of following up with that is that you know it's okay for there to be a little bit of tension. I mean, Christians are so <laughs> uncomfortable with tension. It's weird, but tension is okay and will be okay. Um, if, it's, mm-hmm. if it's a little bit uncomfortable when we're negotiating over something and there's silence, you don't have to break the silence. And that's actually a negotiation tactic, sometimes to let silence hang. Because sooner or later, somebody will probably break the silence. It doesn't have to be you. So thinking about little tactics like that, I mean, I talk about a bunch more in the book. But I I, I do think if I could pull out a few that would help you right now today, be better prepared, go into every negotiation knowing more than the person you're negotiating with being honest and having integrity and never lying, cheating or stealing, but realizing that you don't have to show all of your cards in order to do that. And then the final piece, which is basically what I just said.
0: Wow. I am one of those who will break the awkward silence. (laughs) That's a struggles real there, but you know. I do think preparation and integrity are so key and also maybe really accepting that every negotiation you're just not going to get through and that's okay. That's mm-hmm. God's plan there um, yeah. and not to let that phase you. So it has been such a joy to have you here today, Brock.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Denise. I really love, love spending this time with you, love being able to sew into the people that I know you're building with and sewing into. So I really appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you. You you guys, next week, we're going to continue this discussion focusing on how to impact our culture with faith expressed through our business or ministry. Leave a comment to be entered to receive a copy of Brock's book, The Christian Entrepreneur. You can find Brock again at www.brockshining.com. The raw truth is that our work reveals our values. The radical grace is who we are determines the work we do. And the real hope is When we work hard at what God has placed on our heart and keep our values at the forefront, the rewards last well past the here and now. You've been listening to the Black and White Podcast where we filter life through the Bible and live life in the freedom of truth.